Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casilla. With me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, baseball all-star break. We have the Home Run Derby starting in a couple minutes here. Actually, probably the most anticipated one in a while. Happy uh, Marvel Week at the blog uh, <laughs> with Black Widow out this week. I'm sure many of you have seen it or are planning to see it. We've both seen it. Uh, happy. What else we got? Happy, happy... TBT starting up at the end of the week. I don't know. When's Bayhams Army for, Army's first game? Uh, the 16th, I want to say. Yeah, probably. So we got that. This is probably not the worst thing to start with today, really. I couldn't remember, because sometimes they like really like spread out this first round, and I couldn't remember if we are starting this weekend or, or next week. But that's that's exciting. We're starting to do some juice with the, uh, the, the Syracuse Plus roster we have this week, this year. Honestly, I'm all about the, and I know we talked about this a little bit in the past. I'm totally fine with us um, expanding the, the the roster a little bit, if only because while we made the one like Final Four, it hasn't necessarily been like the easiest uh, ride. So realistically, like I think I'd much rather try something different uh, than just keep banging our heads against the wall trying to do the same thing over and over again, and seeing if we get a different outcome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I understand the sentiment that like we want it to be a, a Syracuse based team, but also we've done that for years and years now, and and that is to say that like it couldn't work at some point. But I do think they want to win one of these things at some point, and uh, when with, with overseas elite breaking up, being able to grab guys like DeAndre Kane um, for the roster uh, it just makes so much sense because they're like such you know experienced, valuable players, and they know how to win TBT. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a big problem with it. If, if it started to get to like where it was like, oh, there were like a handful of Syracuse players and then like a bunch of other guys, you know, then it, then it would kind of lose some of the luster for the Syracuse angle of it. But, um, I mean, it's still like a, a what, 80% Syracuse roster. I, I think it's, it's pretty reason a pretty reasonable balance between the two. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it is a Syracuse roster. It is like the identity is still Syracuse. I, as you said before, I'd rather win with a handful of, of non-Syracuse guys than continue to lose with Syracuse guys just to say we did it. Um, we've so, also we've also always had like non-Syracuse guys. Like we, we've mentioned before, like going back to the first year we were in this thing, we've always had like a guy or two that were, you know, added to the roster uh, and play large roles. So it's not like this is like some crazy thing that we're doing this year that we've never done before. And yeah, I've been literally been trying to find like the schedule this entire time we've been talking and it's impossible somehow. That's uh, not ideal <laughs> for the televised event that we want to uh, watch and promote. Yeah, like I honestly like I, I mean, I will say 
we've got a we've got a really cool bracket contest for uh, for people that have been paying attention to that. Um, if you haven't joined yet, you still have a few days left to do that. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, good folks at TBT have a uh, some cool prizes for us, um, including a T-shirt. We have men's and women's available uh, for the winner, and some uh, some cool Puma sneakers. That'll be released as well. Um, you also get entered into the TBT um, prize pool that includes uh, Bitcoin, um, some, some various other cryptocurrency-related items. Uh, you can read all the full uh, details on entry and all that um, on the post in the blog. There are a few, like, you know, Vox Legal uh, things that you might want to familiarize yourself with um, in advance. But still should be a really cool competition. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, and I know a lot of other folks are too. I, th the fact that none of us are overly familiar with all of these teams probably means that, uh, that we'll either all do very well or all do very poorly. Um, there is no middle ground, as, uh, as everyone knows at this point, with, uh, with bracket filling out. Especially for TBT, I feel like the last couple of years, you, you get like one Dynamo team and like the 13 or 14s that just are there because people don't really know of them and they end up making a run. Um, but also looking, uh, I found... We do not play Forces of Soul until the 24th, so it is next week. Yeah. Oh, um, at 11 a.m. Central, 12, 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, so that is on Friday. Uh, no, I'm looking at the wrong month. That is on uh, Saturday, uh, July 24th. So, yeah. Well, so so some games start the next week. Yeah, some games start the 17th, 16th and 17th. Um, so there is some basketball for you guys to check out. Uh, but Bayhams Army will not be playing until the second weekend of this uh, event. So looking forward to that. It always, uh, you know, it kind of stuck up, us, stuck up on us in some ways this year, but I do think we're starting to get, like, ready for it uh, mentally. So that'll be fun. Agreed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, as always. And uh, looking forward. They haven't unveiled the jerseys this year, I believe, but um, in the past we've seen some fun ones that take inspiration from, like, past Syracuse jerseys. Uh, we've seen – I think we've seen some script. Uh, we've seen some inspired mm -hmm. by the 0-3 team. Uh, we've seen some inspired by some of the more recent jerseys. You know, last year's was kind of a uh, like a unique to Bayheim's Army kind of font that's like based on the logo. Uh, curious what they come up with this year. Uh, every year, though, it's it's been fun. So I know for the uh, the uniform files among us, uh, that that should be an entertaining unveil uh, if if it hasn't happened already. I don't think it has. Um, so we might see those in the, in the very near future. Yeah, they always, uh, there are always some creative ones in the field in general. So uh, whoever makes them has has some, some fun with them. And I always appreciate the nods to like the great Syracuse teams as we've had the last couple of years, uh, or at least, you know, in years in the past. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that next week. Um, but it's been a pretty light week in terms of Syracuse news. So uh, no better time, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know uh, in Syracuse news, uh, one piece of information that came out over the weekend. Uh, K.R. Price, uh, he's from uh, Wayne, New Jersey. We've got ourselves a uh, our second New Jersey player um, for this class. Um, he's a defensive lineman, top-rated guy that we've brought in so far, um, three-star, um, picked SU over a bunch of other offers. Um, a lot of the usual suspects, but nonetheless, uh, you know, good to get wins over schools like West Virginia, Boston College, um, and the like. So I, I think at this point, like we're, we're in a pretty good spot um, defensively. I mean, again, like I, 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 we've said this before, the level of talent might we might want to be a little bit higher, and it's no knock on the on the guys coming in. But 
um, having three defensive linemen probably means we're done there um, based on recent recruiting uh, wins. I think the, the hope now is over the coming weeks and months that we uh, are able to shore up at least part of the offense, add some more defensive pieces. Um, I, I, I kind of said this in the comments a little bit um, today and, and, and over the weekend that there's, I don't think we've failed on the offensive end here, but I do think that overall it's been a lot harder to convince, you know, top flight um, offensive skill players at a college, uh, at a high school, excuse me, to come to Syracuse uh, since like really for a while, but, but since Dino took over two, which is unfortunate given the, the kind of offensive expertise that was brought in. And now I feel like this time around, I feel like we did aim high uh, and we had other targets, you know, further down the list, the, the, all the high targets, I felt like committed pretty quickly. Um, I know I mentioned like last week we had like, I think almost every one of the top 15 uh, rated guys who had an offer at wide receiver from us uh, was already committed by like March, <laughs> which is not great. But at the same time, like we're, we, we are casting a wide net here. So hoping that, SU's made some good inroads because uh, it seems like on the defensive side they have, but hoping on the offensive side too, they made some good inroads uh, with a bunch of guys um, who were able to help fill out this class on the offensive end. I think we could really use some help uh, both in the trenches where I think things were addressed well uh, last off season, as well as like really at receiver, um, maybe not quarterback this time around, but you know, we could always use another running back with McDowell um, being the only one in the door right now. So in general, uh, Things are going all right. We're still like a fringe top 60 team uh, for 2022, but the only rankings that really matter are like if we can get ourselves into the top 50, you know, come December in the early signing period. Yeah, it, it is a kind of an interesting breakdown with just the one offensive player, Laquin Allen, at running back. Um, obviously, this class will end up looking much differently by, by the time that December rolls around and the early signing period rolls around. Like you expect it to be closer to 50-50, but... Um, there's clearly work to be done on the offensive end um, to balance this thing out. Like not to not to not to diminish the role of getting like a bunch of new cornerbacks and a bunch of defensive linemen. Um, you know, obviously we've had a lot of success at the defensive back position. We always talk about how crucial it is to make sure you have uh, guys ready at the defensive line. So um, certainly good things. Like uh, we should be excited about getting Kier Price, but uh, you know you still want to make sure that you're replenishing the offense, especially because like. It's not the offense has really proven itself to be like well stocked uh, recently. Like obviously we have some interesting guys. We talked about the running backs last week, um, but you know we definitely need more receivers. We could definitely use another quarterback as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Offensive line, you always want to take a good group of those guys. So um, still plenty of work to be done. Yeah, I mean ultimately there there are no like Taj Harris. I think would be. I mean Quilly did a great job last year, but I think Taj Harris is really the only receiver entrenched. Uh, right now, and if we want to add a, a four-star wideout, uh, I don't think anyone's going to say no, and I, I think a lot of people would put him on the short list for starting uh, going to this next year. I think there's a lot of young talent, though. Uh, you know, guys like Damian Alford, who I know have, like, had some, some quality reviews over the offseason. Like, there, there's definitely options for young guys to step up. I think we just rather avoid having to have young guys step up all the time, or at least young guys, like three-star young guys, no offense step up all the time and be able to bring in like, Hey, this guy is, is the biggest name in this class and he's going to come in and, and, and potentially contend for all conference honors and really light, light it up for us. And like, you know, maybe that's a guy, I mean, again, it could be a guy like Harris who really burst onto the scene as a three-star 
could be a guy like Steven Ishmael or Irvin Phillips or all these other guys who we, we coached up into three star, from three stars into all conference caliber players. But it would certainly be a bigger relief uh, for me as a fan, and I'm sure you and, and, and other SU fans as well, if we had some four-star talent at the receiver position in particular that we could plug in, feel really good about for the next three years, um, and, and, and not feel like we have some like questions further down the depth chart still. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's great to touch guys up. It, it, you know, it feels good as fans to like watch the the guys. You remember signing in on signing day to like become really good players by their, you know, midway through their sophomore years or junior years. But um, it's also just nice to plug and play guys. Like, you know, it's it's you can just admit it. Like it's it's nice to have like really great talented players out of the box and uh, kind of blending those two things. And like you you know, some guys are just not always going to develop the way that you hope. And some guys, uh, you know, just may, uh, you know, develop more quickly. But you, you need to have a blend, I think, especially at the Syracuse program. You can't just rely, rely on, like, three- and four-year players because, you know, there's just going to be a percentage of them that don't hit right away. So if you can get a couple of those plug-and-play pieces, whether or not they're four- or five-star players, like, there might be a three-star. Like, I mean, on the defensive side, Andre Sisto was, like, clearly a plug-and-play player for us. We didn't maybe didn't realize it at the time, but I'm sure this coaching staff had a better idea. But it's definitely uh, you want to blend the two and, and have some of those like ready to put in the starting lineup look like a, a player from from day one guys because it just uh, takes a lot of stress off of the developmental angle because sometimes you know sometimes guys just aren't ready to play in the ACC and that's you know, that's going to be something that you have to deal with as a Syracuse type program um, but when that's like the entire strategy and the entire way in which you are adding like pieces it's going to be tough to just like year over year, make sure you manufacture those kinds of players. So yeah, hopefully we can, we can continue to raise the talent level. Um, so far, you know, things are just kind of trending the way they have. And that's, that's been fine in years past. We always talked about that uh, the last couple of years ago, that came right in and, and helped us get to that 10 month season. Um, but that's also kind of a rare thing. You don't want to rely on that exclusively. So, you know, hopefully uh, the next couple of months bring some more good news on the offensive side and we'll, you know, we can feel pretty good about where things are. I would agree. Um, Dan, we kind of had like a shorter episode today. So uh, why don't we talk a little halftime and then we can move on to uh, talking about Black Widow probably along with uh, some other assorted topics. Cool. Yeah. So I was in Philadelphia this weekend. Um, We stopped, most notably, we stopped at Evil Genius on Saturday, which was a a really nice stop. Uh, Pretty comprehensive. Had some tasters, had some full pints. Um, Pretty much everything was good. Evil Genius is a really quality brewery. Um, I guess the highlights, uh, there, uh, there's no crying in baseball IPA, just really solid standard drinkable IPA. Um, also their baby shark, uh, you know, right along the same lines, uh, more of a pale ale. Um, I think the highlight for me from them was the QR, what you drink, uh, IPA, which was a little more, uh, just a little more peasy. Um, I thought a little more full flavored. Some of the other things I had, um, had their trust the process, another IPA, they, uh, had a bunch of those and then a number of other sours and uh, I believe had a copper as well. Um, this is another one. I'm sure every Philadelphia brewery has a trust the process beer. I imagine that's just kind of required. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also popped over to a dive bar where I ran into some uh, Shiner Ruby Redbirds, which are uh, for uh, occasional dive bar drinking. Um, we can find those for like $3 a pop. Always a, always a, a nice delight for the, uh, grapefruit fans out there from Spatial Brewing. So, yeah, um, yeah, solid, solid weekend overall. Uh, did, did tested probably 
almost everything on tap at Evil Genius, uh, which uh, made for an interesting Sunday morning, but uh, happy to do it. So shout out to those guys. Hey, perhaps. Uh, pretty light weekend on my end. I'm kind of saving up for next weekend in Chicago. Um, but did have a couple things. Had a Rothhouse Pills, uh, just German Pilsner. Had uh, Erninger Hef. Uh, these are just, I was at a German uh, sausage and beer bar. So I had a couple of different things. And a Paulin or Salvatore uh, Doppelbach. Also had at uh, my house on Friday night, had a Tilador Lecon. Uh, it was a fruited sour uh, from them with uh, organic apricots. So overall, that lighter weekend, but plenty plenty going on next weekend. So I feel like it, it was worth uh, taking a little easy. For sure. It's always nice uh, when you know you have a, a trip on the horizon and some some good brewery stops. So I'm sure you'll you'll do it up in Chicago for sure. Yeah, I got quite a few. I mean, Friday's going to be the beer tour, and we got baseball game on Saturday. And uh, we'll, we'll Ridley, see. I assume. Uh, no, actually, going to be at a oh. going to be a guaranteed rate. Let's go. All first, right. The first time seeing the White Sox. I've seen the. I've I've been to Wrigley. I just have the Mets at Wrigley, um, like six years ago. Uh, and this time around, uh, my buddy actually has uh, company tickets uh, for the White Sox. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I have not been to either. I went to Chicago a couple of years ago, but did not sneak in a baseball game. So hopefully next time. So I would like to get a more. That was a very quick trip. I would like to get a more full trip. Uh, Wrigley is definitely on the short list. Wrigley is probably like one of the coolest places. It's probably the coolest place I've ever seen a baseball game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and I was. I'd love to do the. I'd love. I'd love to do the White Sox as well. I. I will always go uh, check out any park. I'm going to. I'm. Yeah, I'm. Def, we're locked in. I'm going to Denver next month, so I'm going to do a tours, which will be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm always. I. You know, I'd love to get to, to all thirty at, at some point. Obviously, a long way away there, though. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm not that far on that list. I have in my other list of like, have I seen the team live? And with the White Sox checked off this week. I'll be only a four teams left that I haven't seen live. Oh, nice. Yeah. Maybe only That's definitely. It, 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 it's, it's not as conventional of a list. I figured I'd start with that one in my head and then kind of go from there. I'd have to just tap into the memory banks. I've seen so many Mets games, but I'm sure I've gotten, if not the entire NL, like a large chunk of it. And I've been to like a, a number of Yankees games as well. So that one, I'm, I'm much farther along on. Well, it's helpful. Yeah, like for me, I've only lived in NL cities. Well, I mean, like New York was an AL and NL city, but like I didn't, growing up, I didn't spend a lot of time going to Mets and Yankees games. Um, and then out here, I've lived in two NL cities, but the only teams left are Boston, Tampa, Detroit, and Cleveland after the White Sox game. Uh, excuse me, they are the Los Angeles Angels. So I don't know what you're talking about. That is an AL city as well. I, I actually might go down there and have a in a couple months. I mean, it's cheap. You can bring the kids and, like, nobody really cares. So, a little easier. Nice. But, yeah. I'll don't get an Otani game. You'll be, you'll be all set. That's what I'm hoping. You can get, like, the Rangers game in, like, a couple months. There's one game, I think, on a Sunday. That's like, you can get in for, like, 12 bucks. So. Nice. I, I check that out. Um, anyway. 
for the rest of the time, uh, however brief it may be, I think we talk a little bit about Black Widow since you ended up being able to see it. Dan, uh, so I guess what were your initial thoughts? I know for, for some listeners, you might have already seen some of my thoughts on the article. So give Dan some, uh, some space to talk about the movie and, and what, it, what, what it accomplished and what maybe it didn't. Um, I guess we're doing spoilers here, right? We're, we're spoiler yeah, friendly. I mean, at this point, this is, a, this, is, this is the last spoiler warning that, that this is not one of those situations where we're going to talk about a movie without talking about what actually happened in it. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a really just, you know, solid down the middle Marvel movie. Um, I think most Marvel movies, the floor is just very high and like some of them end up having like a really high ceiling as well. But, you know, so many of them, it's just like a, you know, really good, solid movie. It's a theater experience. Happy to have seen it. B, B plus. I know that fit this fit in that like kind of Ant-Man world where like it's not the most conventional um maybe the, what we would have thought of like 10, 15 years ago of like, oh my God, they're making a movie about this character. But now they've kind of proven the concept with basically anyone they want to roll out there. So, and obviously Black Widow has more of an established uh, movie presence because she's been around since uh, the first Avengers. Um, no, I thought it was Man, right. Oh, right. Yes. Second Iron Man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was really solid. I, I didn't totally know what to expect going in just because they're her character and not to, not to the character's fault, but like, you know, I think it's gotten less um, backstory and less attention. Uh, and this is well documented uh, and chronicled by so many others, but like then, then even some of the other secondary uh, characters. Um, I thought this really fleshed out a lot. Uh, I, I really enjoyed what we got from Florence Pugh, who I hope, uh, and based on the, the post credit scene, I think will uh, see her a lot more. Um, and she's great in everything. Uh, she's a really great actress. Um, I thought David Harbour was great. I thought they both brought like a, a really nice uh, kind of comic sensibility to uh, an otherwise like pretty serious character, um, at least through like what we've seen from the movies before. Um, everything was really well executed. I, I know there's a lot of like Taskmaster discussion. I'm not a comics person, so I don't really have a ton of uh, of kind of background on what that character is supposed to be. But I know people have complained about that, and, and I, I didn't think <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was the strongest like you know, big bad, um, or at least one of the big bads in the movie uh, that we've seen. But overall, I thought it was a very effective. Um, I just really wish uh, it could have been done in sequence because I think it would have made, um, it would have made Endgame like so much more powerful if, if, uh, if we had this kind of background with the Black Widow character more than we already did. So that's definitely the gripe. And it's kind of confusing as to why, uh, you know, they, they, they did the things the way they did. Obviously there was a lot of pressure on them afterwards, but I am glad overall they got the movie. And then if we had done the movie earlier, I don't know that we would have gotten uh, Florence Pugh in there since she is like quite young and fresh to the scene. So I, maybe it's kind of like a, it, you know, some things take away, but other thing, like if, if she ends up becoming, if that ends up becoming a, a pretty substantial character going forward for the MCU, it could end up being kind of a backhanded win. Yeah. I mean, from a universe setup standpoint, I, I think, I think it worked in that regard. Um, obviously, if you do it in sequence after Civil War, where it would have slotted in, uh, you don't get the, uh, the 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 Pew introduction at all with Yelena. Um, you don't get the, and you also don't get the uh, kind of motivating force going forward for the character because there there is no gravesite to visit um, in, in the deleted scene. There's no uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus there to mm. uh, to egg her on. There's no reference to you know Clint, and I mean weird in some ways that 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 the framing is that that hawkeye is responsible for death but they also need a reason for people to tune into um hawkeye other than just a handoff to an his own handoff to a new character 
so th that that conflict now becomes like a central part of at least the start of the show, even if not the, the finale. Also, like just based on reactions to the movie and reactions to Hawkeye in general, is anyone going to be rooting for Hawkeye in that series? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean everyone just wants to talk about the best kick, so that so, so that they hand the show off to Kate Bishop and uh, I believe Echo is in that one. Um, for those who are, are are into more like not deep cuts comic wise, but at least like lesser known characters to the general population, um, Echo is someone who's going to uh, feature prominently there and, and might have some some additional burn beyond the series, which is great. It definitely made me more interested. I've, I'm, I wasn't watching it anyway. I've watched, I mean, episode behind on Loki because I was out of the, you know, I was out of town over the weekend um, and haven't had a chance to watch the last Loki. Real but, short, of course. Um, yes, I've heard. Um, and I don't think all the shows have, have like been 100% like smash hits. I think um, they've all had like really good moments and sometimes, and some moments where like you, you just wish, you wish there was a little bit more from them. But in terms of like interest, I probably wouldn't. I probably would have had less interest in a Hawkeye series than the other three going in, and this definitely helps bring at least like the the pre series interest like up to the level of, of some of the rest. Um, so hopefully that's uh, a big boon for them. But it definitely made more me definitely made me more excited for that since Hawkeye is just like he's a fine character, but like and Renner, and Renner, not. And Renner is who he is. <laughs> Renner is who he is. Um, I hope he does a soundtrack for it. <laughs> but like pulls up in a car commercial for it too. Oh god. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to be like Renner's there and everyone's kind of orbiting him and those might be the highlights of it. Um versus like Loki where there's such like Tom Hiddleston magnetism and just a great character like in the center. Um I feel like it's going to be more like um more like a uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier where you know I, Yeah. Where I think it's going to be like they're at the center of things, but it's kind of everything that's happening around them. Because I know people have missed, missed uh, opinions of both those characters. Not as much as Hawkeye, but um, yeah, overall, I, I think uh, it was an effective movie. Wish we had done it earlier. Uh, well, for the story, I wish we had done it earlier. Obviously, things may not have played out as cleanly had that been the case um, for stuff going forward. But, but glad we got it overall. Definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was a good theater experience. Uh, I've never been twice in the last couple. Actually, I've been three times in the last couple of weeks um getting back into that so yeah happy to have marvel movies back and it did feel like you, you can kind of tell the difference after just seeing the shows for a couple months now like oh yeah the, the movies are very big like the movies just the shows are good and I, they've done a really nice job with that whole part of this experience but the movies just really take things to another level even the like less huge movies like like a black widow the standalone so um yeah really enjoyed it overall a uh, solid like Probably like a seven, seven and a half out of ten BB plus stuff. You know, if you if you love the Marvel movies, like you're probably gonna go see it anyway. But um, it holds up for the rest of it, uh, for the rest of the the general uh, world for sure. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think while it wasn't like a great movie to me, like I think it was fine. I think it performed expectations. I give it like a B minus maybe. Um, I, I think that where it excelled is that it it. Didn't, it didn't require the homework that most Marvel movies need, especially like phase three that we just got out of. And really even like the shows, like Loki, it, it still needs some homework, even though it's the least homework driven of the three shows. Like for the movies, almost everything in phase three needed homework um, to, to really port yourself into that. You know, Black Panther probably being like an exception there. Um, I, I think that this this was basically a like, you know, 
foreign slash like modern Bond movie villain and all meets um, meets like some Marvel shtick, and, and and you put that together, and, and and you really again you 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 introduce a character, you introduce stakes, you introduce um, you know a, a couple challenges along the way, some some humor. Um, I think some solid action scenes overall. I mean, the budget for this was significantly lower than you'd see on like most Marvel movies, really. Um, I think most of it was burned on the, uh, on the floating, the, the latest floating fortress crashing to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like realistically, I, I, I thought it, it didn't require a ton of like that. There wasn't a big ton of barrier to entry. And as a result though, and, and as a result of the fact that like we know the, the fate of Natasha, going in there were almost no stakes because you knew ultimately that she was going to win you knew ultimately that she was not going to die you already knew because of the casting in hawkeye that yelena was going to end up taking on the mantle so i guess like part of that's COVID related part of that's just because they decided it had to happen out of chronological sync and that you ended up with this kind of state with the first really you know stakesless marvel movie where you're like eh like like i was fine with it i enjoyed it i'd watch it again um, but like, I, I, I didn't have to get that same buzz afterward of like, oh, what's ha- what happens next? What about this? What about this? What about this? It was very much a like, all right, great. We finally, we finally got the Black Widow movie done. <laughs> like, like glad we did that. Like now can't wait for Shang-Chi so that I can see like where the story progresses from here, like uh, in theaters. That's a pretty fair point. It, it, it was a weird situation in that like, while not every Marvel movie is like, you know, Game of Thrones where you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, the, the you know, big two-parter um, did have those stakes, um, at least to an extent. Um, it did remove, like, any kind of drama over, you know, where the character could go. What, you know, just, just, we all know, like, we've, we've seen it. So, um, yeah, it was definitely more, more of the intrigue was around, like, how do they connect this back? How, the, how do they set up stuff going forward? And even that there was much less except for the after credit scene. So yeah, it definitely removed part of that for, for it. But uh, I also agree that it was definitely more accessible than, than most of what we had, especially in phase three, because that was so much about like gearing up for the end right. versus this, like, yeah, this is a standalone universe. This was, this was, you could literally just sit there and go, this, this black widow story matters in this universe and you could walk away from it. And that's a, a major complaint of like folks who aren't big Marvel fans is, is the homework required and the investment required but i also think those same fans might find this movie to have been like kind of like like once they knew like like if you told somebody that didn't really care about the marvel movies oh this character's been dead they're like oh okay so so why the fuck do i care about this yeah that's fair um i do uh it, it is funny that there were like so few references to like outside stuff aside from i think a couple stray references to 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 cap that like it just it did feel very removed like obviously there was there were like things here and there about like where they were in the timeline to get you know people just to to keep people in on where what was going on but um you really could drop pretty much anyone into that movie and it would have been totally fine like i'm thinking about like if i had just like brought my parents to that movie who have seen probably one and a half marvel movies between them um they would have like very little issue following what was going on so i guess you know like you said that's kind of an upside downside thing depending on who you're talking to, but in terms of like the, the Marvel, the MCU audience, like I think that's a strong enough, they have a strong enough hold on those people that they're not going to like super freak out long-term about what, you know, maybe they thought was an underwhelming single uh, Black Widow movie. So 
Um, I do. It was probably I made it with the right play, especially because you're having you have this like uh, what two year audience in terms of people who haven't been to a, a Marvel movie in the theaters. Maybe the people are just aging into it. Um, it might not have been the worst idea to have a, a more like standard, straightforward um, type experience for this like first Marvel movie back. And rather, they couldn't have planned that out, but um, it just kind of worked out that way. Uh, maybe like having kind of like a like a one on one level. Uh, in terms of all of the connections and all of the the homework, as you've said, uh, that you usually need to do for these movies, um, having this be the first one back kind of like eases people into the experience, especially if you have like, you know, people who were seven years old when the, the last Marvel movie was in theaters. Now maybe they're of age where they can go in and appreciate it, um, and this might help uh, kind of bring along a new the next set of fans, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's completely reasonable. It's a good point there too. Um, I know I've kind of. A lot of people have been talking about the Taskmaster stuff, and I know as a comic reader, I was bummed about it. Not because I think some might have been bummed because of the gender change. Actually, the gender change was a, was a great point. I would have liked to see Taskmaster less of a tech-based villain and more based on the character that Tony Masters is in the um, comics, where he has um, a photographic memory that allows him to mimic fighting styles. Um, and I felt like that that's a more interesting um villain in a lot of ways um and, and i did feel like even even given the the background they provided the character in the movie with draco's daughter i ultimately felt like she was very underutilized um and kind of uses a bit of an emotional prop um in some ways which is a bummer um the other thing that, that a lot of people talked about and i know i did in the article we wrote in the blog was the how did you feel about the breathy uh smells like teen spirit cover oh that uh I was proud about I, that. I, 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 I had some thoughts that, that, that evoked like Grey's Anatomy circa like 2012. Who did it? I, I didn't, I meant to look it up, but it was like so early in the movie that I had just, it was not top of mind. Do we know who the cover was by? I, I didn't, because uh, my sister was out here and we were watching at home and uh, we were both kind of like lampooning it. <laughs> from, from I'm, looking, I'm looking it up now. I, yeah, I mean, it felt very like mid 2000s. It's by someone told someone named Malia J. So yeah, no no idea. Oh god, this is so sad. Oh no. There's there's a Screen Rant SEO post about this. The it does get to the who sang the cover, but the first just the first sentence of the title is What Song Plays Over Black Widow's opening credits? And that's a totally fair thing to write, but man. <laughs> I mean of, of, how of, sad. All the songs, of all the songs you can't recognize. Yeah, I mean I get it. Like so many of the people have no idea. Right. who even nirvana is um but oh that's that's a that's a tough one um yeah i'd have to listen to it again but uh, it wasn't like it, it felt just like very much like movie trailer in 2013 to me um yeah. which made it like feel a little like out of out of era because that was like a thing we were doing for a lot of movies um oh, for a bit there from like probably like 2010 to like 2017 i felt like it was just the norm yeah the really slow muted cover of a famous song from like at least 20 years before uh sung usually by the opposite gender usually it was a, a woman singing a male vocal part and like in that exact style and there are so many of those covers and it felt like it did feel very out of out of era even though that wasn't that long ago because it's like that thing whatever that was just kind of faded from uh the current trends completely so yeah uh wasn't wasn't a huge fan but also like it didn't make a, a huge impact on me either way. I kind of, you know, as I said, I kind of forgot it happened until you brought it up. That's reasonable. It's just like, yeah, like the music, I just felt like 
since they made it in 1995, that's fine. If they're going to make it in 1995, then pick something from 1995. Yeah, and, and, that, that's and, also a strange choice. Like that song's not from 95. That's on. I mean, it's 91, but like, like, yeah. And I know, like, I'm talking to somebody in the comments now about it, um, and and raises a good point that like it is a a you know iconic like American 90s song. I agree. But I do think like typically when you when you have a beat like that and they do it later on, I forgot which pop song when she's driving across the bridge, she's playing a song that is very definitively 2016. And, 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 and it's, a, it's a touch point musically to make sure you know you're in 2016. But I felt like this one was weird because it was very much not 1995, yet we did it anyway. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, and it's also just like it's such a big song like it almost would have worked better if it was like a 95 song that um you almost had to look up if you weren't like a you know big 90s like, rock fan. Some, like some from cake do pearl jam like like, like, like there's do an ohio there were options they do, do an ohio band even because she was from ohio like like i just felt like yeah there were there were options out there maybe if you wanted to make something more recognizable i'm like i'm not going to google this now but i'm sure you could find the list of like 1995 like top songs and you'd find something that like you ought to know was on there come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, definitely a, a weird choice because like smells like teen spirit is is so it's so ubiquitous and it's also just like one of the songs there are some songs that i just think like cover there, you shouldn't have people cover um and that's yeah. probably on that list. the one that always drives me nuts and it's even though it doesn't drive me nuts, I, I actually like the singer a lot. Um, is the Nicole Atkins cover of Heroes by David Bowie that was on the Heineken commercials oh, yeah. that played a million times? Um, I love Nicole Atkins, uh, I also love Heroes by David Bowie. I don't want to hear anyone but David Bowie singing that song, like that's just on that list for me. Reasonable, yeah. So, Smells Like Teen Spirit, it's just doing Nirvana covers in general stuff, like that's a that's a it's tough to get it right and have it sat like sound okay, yeah. I, I think that then that's always the problem. It's like unless you make it definitively your own, and I'd argue that they did make it definitively your own. Just that some songs are too hard to overcome. That just like you can't help but think of the original, and I think this is just one of those songs, and especially in the context of like what they were trying to do with it. It just seemed like it's. I agree. Alas, this is what happens when uh, a, a bit of a dead week. Then you end up uh, <laughs> dissecting music choices in a blockbuster movie for. We talk about a, a very, I mean, like, what, 45-second cover of uh, Nirvana from the beginning of the movie that I kind of forgot happened by an artist that we don't know. <laughs> that we have no, I don't even remember what the person's name is now. over a clear uh, homage to uh, the Americans. Yes. Also, also, yeah, don't watch the Americans if you haven't. If you enjoyed Black Widow to any extent, um, or if you didn't, uh, don't watch the Americans. Uh, on fx before i don't know where you find the streaming now i think it was on amazon um it's yeah americans on, if, it's not FX, if it was on fx and I, yeah it was it's probably on hulu at this point it may be on hulu now i know when it was still on and people were catching up it was on amazon right um yeah, I know but yeah they, has all that inventory back now they might i they were i think they were probably working on it i don't know if they were like it's like exclusivity contracts they had to wait out but alas the americans one of the best shows of the post breaking bad era uh, maybe the best i'd put it probably top two or three uh yeah go check that out if you haven't if you're looking for a pretty long haul uh really intense drama yeah that, that, that tells you hey this is what would have happened if they hadn't had to get on the plane in the movie yes it was funny that that was like a kind of a direct uh obviously that was a thing that was happening in real life but like the basically the same plot point as uh the americans i was like oh that's familiar 
Uh, <laughs> I, I know this. <laughs> I know this. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Jennings, uh, I think, better than uh, the Red Guardian at her job. Reasonable. Uh, Dan, <laughs> anything else before we, uh, before we, we depart today? No, shout out to uh, Italy for winning the Euros. Uh, shout out to Pete Alonso for hopefully winning the Home Run Derby tonight. Uh, and yeah, shout out to Bayham's Army, but not till next week. Forza Italia, Forza Alonso. Uh, go Mets, who are still in first place somehow. Somehow, even though they split with the Pirates, which is embarrassing. But, you know, move on. <laughs> they did play 33 games in 31 days. I'm not going to get that worked up about it. Yeah, realistically. I mean, if we were in a real division, it'd be, it'd be problematic. But since we're not... Um, it's, we're the only competent team in the division, thankfully. We'll take it. Indeed. And they were going to be buyers, so that's exciting. That, that, that wasn't happening in the old regime. It's uh, Chris Bryant time. Let's do it. Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trending and Snaps of the Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and Go Orange. Go Orange.